Congratulations, seniors. Congratulations on your graduation. And uh, we pray for you and all that God has coming up for you in these next seasons of your lives. Congratulations, families, moms and dads. It's as much an accomplishment for you guys as it is for your children. Here at Christ Community, over this month of May, we've been taking this month as a church to focus in on uh, the little book of James. This little book in the, near the very end of the New Testament that was written by Jesus' younger half-brother. Uh, we've just been taking this month to, to focus in on this, this small book and to see what it has to say to us and how the Lord would want to instruct us for life and for faith um, out of the words of James. And throughout this month, month of May, we're, we're challenging ourselves, we're, we're um, inviting the whole church to just read this little book over and over and over in the month of May, just as many times as you, as you can. Uh, it's, a, it's a tiny little book, and in my edition of the Bible, it's only three pages long. It's a, it's a five-chapter book that's made up of 108 verses, so it's very readable, uh, very accessible, very practical book. And uh, here we are, May 19th. If you haven't read James yet, don't worry. You're not, you haven't fallen behind. You haven't missed something. There are 12 more days left in, in May, and I would just encourage you to read this little book as many times as you can. And one of the things that happens when we, when we study the Bible the way that I'm talking about is it, it gets into us. If you'll just read the book of James over and over and over for a month, um, you'll basically memorize the book. Now, you, you, you probably won't be able to quote the book, but you'll have the message of the book living in you. And really, that's the point of scripture memory. I've worked hard in my life to memorize lots of scripture, but the point isn't to be able to rattle off the correct you know, wording of, of verses. The point of scripture memory is to have it get into us, to get into our, our flesh and our bones and become a part of us. And if you'll just read God's word every day, it will get into you. It will get into your mind. It'll get into your heart. It'll start working its way out of your mouth. It'll begin to influence your decisions if you'll just read God's word. So today we're going to um, focus in on James chapter 2. And uh, if you have an edition of the Bible that you'd like to read along, you're welcome. If not, you're welcome just to, to listen to it read for you and spoken over you this morning. James chapter 2. And I'm going to read verses 14 through the end of the chapter, verse 26. This is what James says. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister of yours is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to that person, go, I I wish you well. May you keep warm and and well-fed, and then does nothing about the physical needs of that person, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Well, show me your faith without deeds, and I'll show you my faith by what I do. You believe there is one God, that's good. Even the demons believe this, and they shudder. You foolish man, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he was willing to offer his son Isaac as a a sacrifice on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. 
Abraham believed in God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is justified by what he does, and not just by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the Hebrew spies and sent them off in a different direction when the Canaanites came and looked for them. And so as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Now all throughout the pages of scripture, Old and New Testaments, book after book, writer after writer, we can see the evidence that faith is essential to the Christian life. We, we cannot follow Jesus without faith. Samuel quoted uh, John 3.16 earlier. Um, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him, whoever has faith in Jesus, will not perish but have everlasting life. Hebrews 11.6 says that without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And then one of my personal favorites, Galatians 2.20, for I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ that lives in me and the life I now live in this body, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Faith is an essential component of the Christian life. We cannot follow Jesus without faith. But also, all throughout the pages of the Bible, Old and New Testaments, uh, letters, books, histories, wisdom, all the different categories of Scripture that are out there affirm that obedience is essential to biblical Christianity. That we we cannot be followers of Jesus without living an obedient life in followership of him. So this is what James is saying in James chapter 2. Let's flip back one page to James chapter 1 and read a few more verses there. James 1, uh, 22 through 27. Verse 22 says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. The implication of this verse is that if all we do is just read God's word or we just listen to it, we just hear it, Not only is that not a good thing, but but we actually can deceive ourselves if all we do is just sort of listen and nod and agree and say, yeah, that sounds great. We can actually deceive ourselves if we aren't figuring out and asking God how we apply it to our lives. He says, my dear brothers, no, 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 Uh, verse 22, do not merely listen to the word, so deceive yourselves, do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and then after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. But you don't just have to take James's word for it. You don't just have to take my word for it. <laughs> You can go straight to the words of Jesus himself. If you look at John chapter uh, 14, we have some of the words of Jesus reflecting this same idea. John 14, I'll read several verses. Um, Hopefully they'll be up on the screen for you. (laughs) Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey what I command. He doesn't say, if you love me, you'll believe in me really hard. He doesn't say, if you love me, 
you'll just feel really bad and remorseful about all the sins you've ever committed. If you love me, you'll, you'll do everything you can to, to bring people to me. I mean, those are all true things, and those are all great ways to express love for Jesus. But Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey what I command. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to that person and make our home in him. The one who does not love me will not obey my teaching. Then we'll look at one more from 1 John chapter 2. We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. Obedience to Jesus is the evidence that we've come to know him. We will know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The person who says, I know Jesus, but does not do what Jesus commands, John uses strong language here. He says, that person is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys the word of Jesus, then God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we can know that we are in Jesus. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus walked. And so obedience Obedient living, faithful action, good works, good deeds are essential components to the Christian life. We cannot fully follow Jesus without obeying what he's told us to do. Now this may bring up some some questions in some of your minds. Because what I just said was that we cannot follow Jesus without faith and obedience. We cannot fully live into the life that God has called us to live without faith and and without obeying. But what some of your minds or ears may have just heard me say, which I didn't say, (laughs) is that you cannot be saved without obedience and good works and good deeds. That's not what the scripture is saying. That's not the message of the Bible. It's not saying that you have to do good things in order to earn God's salvation. God's, the grace that we receive from God is completely unmerited, unearned. We can do nothing to receive it. Um, May is a month of of celebrations and uh, gift-giving in my household. So Diana and I just celebrated our 17th anniversary uh, last Saturday. Um, Of course, the Sunday after, the the day after that is Mother's Day, so there's lots of gift-giving. Hey, let's clap for mothers. Come on. Um, uh, Our our daughter Zoe turns one on Tuesday, so we're celebrating Zoe's birthday. And um, yeah, we can clap for Zoe. Um, And so there's lots of gift giving in our household around the month of May. But the thing is, if somebody gives you a gift, if someone is celebrating you and wants to honor you and uh, just wants to uh, show their affection to you and they they present you with this gift and they say, I got you this gift. And you say, man, that is awesome. How thoughtful of you. Thank you so much for giving me that gift. But then you never take it. You never pull off the ribbon and rip off the wrapping paper and, and... and take possession of the thing that they have freely given to you. See, the gift is free. There's nothing you could do to earn the gift. But if they present the gift to you and you don't receive it, you don't take it, then it doesn't impact your life. You don't bring it into who you are. And so God's, God's grace is this free, unearned, 
unmerited gift, nothing we could do to, to, uh, to have it come into our lives apart from the gracious generosity and goodness of God. It's a free gift. But we have to take hold of it. And the way we take hold of it is by faith. We have a, a teaching team here at Christ Community. There's five of us. We meet every Wednesday for at least an hour and a half. We talk about the next series of messages that are coming up. And we don't just have a teaching team in that several of us take turns, you know, giving the sermons on Sunday mornings. We're a true team in that every single sermon you hear up here on a Sunday morning has been, uh, has been contributed to and evaluated and prepared by a team of five people. Um, so we, we talk about things, we chew on the scripture, we, we come up with ideas, we try to decide what this or that could mean and how best to communicate it. Um, and so I, I hope you, you hear that and experience that when you receive it from us on Sunday mornings. But uh, at, when we were preparing for this Sunday and we were talking about grace and faith and works and how do they all work together and how do we make sense of them, um, a member of our teaching team said it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a, a life ring. And um, that, that if you have a, a life ring and you're, you're in trouble in water, um, that uh, grace is like someone throwing you a life ring. Now, if I'm out there in the water and I'm drowning, <laughs> and the spiritual connection is I'm out there in my life and I'm just drowning in life and in sin and in my separation from God, there's nothing I can do to save myself but hold my breath for a few minutes until it all comes to an end. And grace is like this life ring. Now watch, watch it, all right? My aim's kind of good. Okay, so here we go. So grace is like this life ring that gets thrown out there to us. It's something we can't earn, we don't deserve, we can't make happen for ourselves, but God casts out, he throws out his grace to us as a life ring. Now, if we just sit there flailing our arms and we're like, thanks, God, that's awesome. What do we have to do? We got to stretch out an arm and take hold of that thing and cling on to it for dear life. And so there's this interesting thing that happens in Christianity where we actually work in partnership with God. Now, he extends the grace. He does the saving. There's nothing we can do to save ourselves. But we work in partnership with him as he extends his grace to us. We reach out and take hold of it, this free gift that's come into our lives. And then once we've grabbed hold of the life ring, we can experience the salvation of God. Now, my guess is that for most of the people in this room, maybe all, I don't know, you've probably done that. <laughs> you've seen the free gift of God's grace that's present in everyone's life. And you've said, yes, Lord, I receive that as your free gift to me. You've recognized your drowning in, a, in, in the waters of life, in sin and separation from God, and you saw the life ring of grace that God threw to you through Jesus, and you grabbed on a hold of it for dear life, and you said, yes, save me, Lord, save me. For many of you, that point in your life has come and passed. And so now what is the balance of your life? What is the rest of your life in following Jesus? Do you need to continue to earn God's salvation? No, we can't earn God's salvation. We never could earn it or merit it in the first place. But now that we've got a hold of it, God calls us to a faithful life of obedience, of obeying the words and the teachings and the ex example of Jesus. 
And so James says, faith without works is dead. He even uses this example. He says, hey, the, de- the devil believes in God. <laughs> what good is your belief? What good is your faith if it's not accompanied by faithful, obedient action? I think of it sometimes like a, like a chair. I've got a stool up here. Um, if I've been working hard out in the yard and I'm, I'm tired and exhausted and uh, I just need to rest, rest my legs, rest my back, and I say, you know what, I believe that chair will give me rest if I'll sit on it. Well, what good is that belief until what? I walk over to it, I bend my knees, and I let go of my weight, and I enjoy the rest that the chair can give me. If I've had a long day at work away from my family and I just want to hear Diana's voice um, and I say, man, this little device is so cool. I believe that if I press some numbers on here that it'll magically somehow through the satellites and space and I don't know how it all works. Somehow I believe that this will allow me to talk to my wife who I miss today so much. And then I set it down. What, What good is my faith in the phone until I do what? Until I pick it up I press the number for her and I hold it up to my ear and I wait for to hear her voice on the other side of the phone. See, there's this cooperative work between our faith and our obedient action where God pours more and more grace into our lives as we will act on what he's calling us to do. If I'm hungry and I've got some leftovers, I brought my cooler here today, and I say, I believe that if I put some leftovers in this microwave, it'll warm it up and give me some hot food to eat. And then I never do anything. I don't push the button. I don't put the food in. Then I'm going to be eating cold food, right? I have to act on the faith that I say that I have in the microwave. Now, I'm going to take this maybe too far this morning. Probably further than you ever thought I should go. But what if I told you that I believed I could have hot Chick-fil-A on a Sunday? I just lost everybody. I just lost the whole room. Nope, you took it too far. But if I said... I believe that if I buy Chick-fil-A on a Saturday night at 9.55 and I get the last nuggets out of the fryer just for this occasion, and if I stick them in this machine and I push the buttons, that I could have hot Chick-fil-A on a Sunday. Yeah? Who, um... Somebody over in this section wants some uh, chicken nuggets. In about 22 seconds. Jeremiah, you want some? Okay. Do you like Polynesian sauce or Chick-fil-A sauce? No sauce? Okay, well, you can just share this with your friends. Actually, I'll keep the poly sauce for 11 o'clock. Okay. Hey, Jeremiah Phillips, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Jeremiah has taken his family to Washington to be missionaries there at an uh, aviation school. If you don't know about it, learn more. And so, Jeremiah... This is the holy grail of foods. You are having hot chicken nuggets on a Sunday. Congratulations. (laughs) So there's this cooperative thing that happens between God's grace and our faith. He throws the line of grace to us. Nothing we can do to earn it. But we do extend our hand by faith. We reach out and take hold of the grace that God's given to us. And we say, Lord, save me. I believe you can. 
And from that moment forward, if that's the very end of your life, for the moments you have left in your life, if it's at the beginning of your life, for the decades you have left in your life, then there's this continued cooperative work between your faith that God has given you and your devotion to obedient action, to obey the words of Jesus, to blend your faith and your obedience, to say, I believe the chair can hold me up. I believe the phone can call my wife. I believe the microwave can warm up my leftovers. When we take the belief and we marry it with obedient action, that's when we're following Jesus. And that's when we're doing what James talked about in James chapter 2. I want to read one more scripture for you. Um, It's the scripture in Ephesians that, that blends this all together. Where'd you go? There you are. And it's up on the screen. You can read along. This is a a picture of my Bible, so you can literally read along with me. Three verses uh, from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. For it is by grace that you have been saved. It is by grace that you have been saved. There's a wildly popular movie out right now called Avengers Endgame, and there's this epic moment where one of the biggest characters, literally the biggest characters, uh, in the movie makes this statement, and it's just the cru- this crucial moment in the statement where he says these words. He says, I am inevitable. And uh, I came away from that movie, and I was thinking about these verses in this message, and I thought, man, that was, they did it. You know, that was like cinematic genius. I mean, that was like a swell in the the story arc of this movie where this larger-than-life character in this, you know, fictional universe makes this epic statement. And I thought, there's, there's a nonfiction story going on where something else is inevitable. And it impacts every life that's ever existed. And it's the grace of God. The gracious love of God that looks into each of your hearts and minds and eyes and says, I love you with all my heart and soul and mind and strength. It's inevitable. The grace of God in our lives, in every life, is inevitable. And it is what saves us. Nothing else saves us but the grace of God. For it is by grace that we have been saved. Through faith, we receive the gift. We reach out and grab the life ring by faith. And this is not of yourselves. Not even the faith is by ourselves. The power to extend our arm, to reach out and trust in and believe in God, even comes from God to us. It is a gift of God. It's not of works. So let me, hear you, let me make sure you hear me say that again this morning. You are not saved by your works. But verse 10, For we are God's workmanship, Created in Christ Jesus to do good works. So we're not saved by the good works we're created to do, but we're created to do them. The implication of this verse is the reason God made us for relationship with him and to participate in his kingdom was to do good works. It's it's why we exist. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And so we have, this, we have this marriage, we have this blend, we have this cooperation of the grace of God which comes to us freely and unearned 
which we reach out and take hold of by faith in Jesus. And then we respond to with the rest of our life with an obedient life, with faithful action, with good works and good deeds. See the flow here? We are saved by God's grace, which we receive through faith and which we respond to with obedient lives. It flows that direction. It doesn't flow the other direction, okay? We don't try to do lots of good stuff and hope that God will save us. God saves us. We receive his salvation by faith, and then we spend the balance of our lives, the years, the decades, the months, the minutes of our lives, trying as best as we can, not on our own power, but in the strength of the Holy Spirit, to follow after Jesus and to do the things that he did, said, believed, the example that he set. I'll invite um, Samuel and and Dwayne to come out and join us. Um, Prayer team members in the congregation, if you guys would would be prepared to move forward soon. Um, So in James chapter 2, and in John, and in 1 John, and in Ephesians, and all over the Bible, we have these three things working together. We have God's grace, which reaches out to all of us. We have the invitation to respond to his grace by faith. And then we have the call, the command, to then follow after Jesus with an obedient life. If you're hearing the sound of my voice, if you're in this room, if you're watching on the interwebs, and you've never reached out and taken hold of the free grace of God that has been thrown to you, extended to you from a heavenly Father who loves you and wants you to be in his family forever, you can do that this morning. There's nothing you have to wait for. There's no magic spell. There's no right conditions. It's just you saying, yes, Lord. Yes, I believe in you and I believe you sent your son to save me and I received that this morning. Jesus, would you set me free from my sins? Would you redeem me from a life of separation from you? And would you save me? And and let me just tell you, the answer to that from Heavenly Father, from God is, yes, I absolutely will. (laughs) I can't wait to do that. But you don't have to beg God to save you. He wants to do it. He's waiting for you to receive the salvation that he has freely extended to every one of us. So you can do that this morning. If you have done that, but that's sort of the extent that your faith has got you, then what I would ask you to do next is just to begin to ask Jesus, now what? (laughs) Thank you for saving me, Jesus. Now what do you want me to do? I believe your word says that I'm supposed to obey you. What's the first thing you want me to obey you in doing, Jesus? Would you speak to me and tell me? And as I look out on a room room full of people that I know and love, some of you I haven't had the opportunity to meet yet, but I know that this is a room full of people who have faith and who are obediently following Jesus. And I'm proud of you and proud to be one of you. So what would I invite you to do this morning? You believe it. You know it and are doing it. The next question I would ask you to take before the Lord is, 
Lord, who do you want me to teach these things to? Belief is good, but it's really no different than the devil, James says, because even he believes in God. So, so what sets us apart from demons who believe in God? What's our faithful, obedient followership of Jesus? Well, if you're already doing that, that is incredible. Keep after it. Never give up. But if that's you, you are now the message holder with your words and with your life. Who's someone in your life that you can teach these things to? Who's someone in your life that you can say, believe in God, follow Jesus, receive the grace that he's extended to you. Here's how you follow after Jesus. Here's the steps you take. Here are some things that you can practice. This is how you pray. This is how you read and understand God's word. You guys can do that. (laughs) You don't need a seminary education to do that. You don't need to be an ordained minister to do that. In Hebrews, it says that we are all, we we are a nation of priests. We are a priesthood of believers. You all have the ability to intercede on behalf of each other and your loved ones and your coworkers and your neighbors. So if you've never put your trust in Jesus this morning, do it this morning. Do it today. Don't wait. Don't delay. Reach out your arm. Take hold of the life ring and say, yes, Jesus, I trust you and I believe you to save me. If you've received his salvation and you're just wondering what's next, what does God want me to do with my life? I would just say, ask him. (laughs) Lord, what would you have me do next? What would you like me to do this afternoon to obey Jesus? And if you're doing those two things, which I think a lot of people in the room are, I would ask you to ask God, who's someone in my life I can teach these things to? Because that's the next step for you in your spiritual maturity, is to teach these things to others, to share them with others and show them how to do it. You're capable. You are capable with the Holy Spirit to do that. Prayer team members, if you guys would come forward, please. Um, As Samuel plays, I'm just going to lead us in a prayer. Uh, I'll invite everyone to stand so you you have the freedom to move, move freely. Um, I want to ask every person in the room and watching on the internet to, to respond in some way. And you can respond right where you're, right where you're standing. Um, or you can come forward if you'd like to pray with someone. That's what these guys are here for every Sunday morning. They want to pray with you and just go to the presence of the Father with you and pray with you. So if you'd like to pray with someone, please come forward and do that. But you can do it right in your seat as well. Holy Spirit, how would you have us respond? Lord, you gave me this message to, to speak. How would you want me to respond, God? What's the next thing you want me to do? Would you just ask him that question in this quiet moment? What response are you calling me to, God? Father, thank you for throwing us the life ring. Thank you that your heart is to save us.
Thank you for giving us the faith to put our trust in you and our hope in you. And I pray that you would help us to do it. Jesus, thank you for believing in us. You know what? There, there was a moment when you and I were utterly helpless. And that's, that's when Jesus saved us. I, I don't think God wants us to live in a perpetual state of helplessness, though. Because once you place your faith in Jesus and you receive the salvation that he extends to you for free, that he wants to give to you, he, he gives you something else. He gives you his Holy Spirit. Literally in John, he's called our helper, our advocate. So we're no longer helpless. If you're walking with Jesus, you are now filled with the spirit of Jesus. And he enables you. He gives you the capability to walk with him in obedience. Oh, Lord, would you help us to do that today? And Lord, I know this church, and I know a lot of these people And we have some incredible spiritual maturity gathered together. Lord, would you help us to see the power that is within us by your Holy Spirit? And would you begin to lead us, not just by ones and twos, but by twenties and fifties and hundreds, to be teachers of your word. To be sharers of the grace of God that is received by faith and responded to by obedience. Lord, you are good and your mercy endures forever. Thank you for loving us with your whole heart. We receive it today. I'm just going to read those verses of Ephesians over you once again as our closing blessing. And hear these words for you. Know that you are God's workmanship. You are the one he delights to save. You are the one to whom he provides the faith to respond. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do.